When we begin this scripture, we see Paul, he's continuing to challenge the Galatians because they wanted to follow the law. They want to be circumcised. And he's saying, no, we need to follow Christ. We need to follow the one who's fulfilled the law. And so sometimes we read about these Galatians. Sometimes we read scripture and we're like, man, these guys are always screwing up. But we need to realize, you know what, that's us too. Have you ever done something like foolish? We've all been there done something foolish. We can, we can say amen to that. I've heard some foolish stories. I was looking, uh, looking them up on the internet. There is one that said a man woke up one morning in the dead of a Minnesota winter to find that his engine of his car had frozen. His solution, pour hot gasoline into his car. So he put some into a pot and warmed it up on his kitchen stove. I don't know if I need to finish the story, but uh, it did not end well. Uh, or there's the story of two truck drivers who stop before a low-hanging overpass and decide, you know, whether they're 18-wheeler. Can we make it? Can we do it? Um, the driver pointed out that the overpass was like 13 feet, 1 inches, and that their, their truck required at least 14. And so, but his colleague had an even more astute observation. There weren't cops around. And so, we should just go for it. <laughs> And they did. They went for it. This did not end well. This reminded me in Moose Jaw, there's this overpass that's low hanging, and there's so many semis that hit it, and it's unbelievable. Um, foolish decisions on myself. You can take these, write these down in your notes, and you can ask me about them later. But I remember participating in a water fight with a glass vase. And so running with a glass vase is almost as smart as running with scissors in your hand and a toothbrush at this, in your mouth at the same time. Uh, I have a nice scar on my hand to remind me that when you're doing a water fight, you don't run with glass vases full of water. Running on a treadmill, very good health choice. Running on a treadmill backwards, not a good health choice. <laughs> and so, and I, there's a hole in the YMCA wall to prove that. And also, there's a head injury that went along with it. Uh, and so, I remember it vaguely, uh, but people are telling me it was not a good scene. And so... But Paul is saying here is, like, this is the most foolish thing for us to do. This is the most foolish thing for the Galatians to do. The only way you can, like, top this kind of folly would be, like, that I just had said here, like, all those wonderful stories, the folly of the things that I've did. The way to top that is try to finish this Christian life, like, in our own strength, trying to do it on our own, trying to be, like, running this, like, putting our head down and going as fast as we can, powering through. It's not a good idea. In fact, Paul says it's foolish. But we're very prone to do this, prone to do things on our own. The Christians in Galatia are trying to finish this race on their own strength. They're trying to do it. And Paul, he's like beside himself as a result. He's like, I can't believe it. Like, surely there's been some devilry that has taken place to think that you believe this is the way for you to run this race on your own strength by trying to follow through in the law. And so he brings forth with the help, what will help the Galatians as they follow Christ instead of the law. And this gives us an understanding on how we are supposed to live. This gives us actually an understanding of how we are supposed to live our life now. And it's a way that's called the spirit-led life. Not a law-led life, a spirit-led life. And as we begin this year, right, we, we have, and Chris talked about, like, a lot of these resolutions that we can focus on to do. A lot of these things that we can try to do. And a lot of it's on our effort. And these re resolutions are usually, like, great things. They push us. Getting better about your health, that's great. 
But, you know, they usually whoop our butts. And we're like halfway through the year, we're like, man, I am struggling through my resolution. And so sometimes we correlate this with spiritual life. We tend to do things on our own strength. We tend to try to power through. We, tre- we tend to like trudge through this. And then a situation right, happens in our life. And we put our head down and we power through it. You know, it's happening in my life right now. I'm going through things. i got to power through it. Or a real busy time happens in life. Maybe like this past season, right? Christmas, unbelievably busy. And we just push through on our own strength and we're going. We're like, I just got to get through this. But when we have that kind of mindset, we're actually, we're finishing on the end and we're not actually focused on what's happening in the midst of it. And what God was maybe doing in the midst of it. Or what his spirit is leading us in the midst of maybe whatever we're going through. And so there's only one way to finish, and it's through life of the Spirit. The same Spirit that we see in the Gospel. If you want, you can open your scriptures, uh, your Bible, to Galatians 3, chapter 1, verse, to verse 5. Um, if you don't have your Bible, we're going to pop it up here on the screen. But before we enter in, I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that we can open it and we can meet with you. And Lord, we can be challenged by what we read. And Lord, we can also grow closer to you. So we thank you that it's God-breathed. And Lord, we just want to, as we read the scripture today, Lord, as these words are being spoken, Lord, we we want to tap into what your spirit is leading us and putting on our heart. Lord, we thank you that you are working, that you are alive, and that you're here with us. So we ask just to be open vessels for you to have your way in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Here we go, Galatians 3, 1 to 5. It says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Are you so foolish After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain? If it really was in vain. So again, I ask, does God give you his Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? And so leading up to this, we kind of get a sense like Paul's talking to the Galatians like, you know, we want to be like, Led by the God, like by the gospel, by Jesus. We don't want to be led by the law. But in this chapter, we kind of really get this official kind of like slap on the wrist, or maybe like this rebuke in a sense, and this confirmation that the church of Galatia is actually really thinking of circumcision. They're really thinking that this is the way that we're going to advance in our walk with Christ. This is how it's going to happen. We need to observe the law to do it. And it's unthinkable. It's really unthinkable to Paul. They're contemplating circumcision and thus trying to finish the Christian race uh, by the flesh rather than by the Spirit. Like, he's like, this is amazing to me. Like, how did they get to this point? Why? How did this happen? Ultimately, they'd become convinced that circumcision was the key to finishing the race, crossing the finish line, and finding success with God on the last day. This is like, they, they just believed this was it. This is how it's going to be. And presumably they've been told by the agitator, the Judaizers, that no matter how well they'd started, no matter how well they started in the faith, they wouldn't find success at the finish 
without undergoing circumcision. You can try as hard as you can. You think at the beginning you accept him, that's great, and that is great, but you know what? No matter what you got to do, you got to be circumcised. You got to follow the law to finish this. So thus, Paul, he's, he's really distraught. He's really distraught over his wayward flock. And you really begin to get that emotion. It's like, he's just baffled at this point. Like, really? Come on, guys. Why are you so foolish? Because their behavior, it implies that there's, not, it, there's a departure from the gospel, from the thing that they've heard. And when they're departed from the gospel, it jeopardizes their entire future. It jeopardizes everything. And so what's Paul's response? In short, he pleads with the Galatians not to look to the law, but instead to stick with the Spirit. And this is the first time Paul mentions the Spirit in his letter to the Galatians. And this is key now throughout the rest of Galatians. And this is something that we're going to slowly work through about this life in the Spirit and what it looks like. And because this is huge to our walk today on how we live our life with Christ. It's how we are connected to His Spirit within us. And so Paul mentions the Spirit by first asking a question. He's saying, how did you first receive the Spirit? Did it happen because you did something or because you ate the right things or you went through some, some sort of ritual? He's like, how did you first receive it? Like, how did it come about? He said, you received it by faith and the finished work by Christ. If they want to finish their race, they must rely on the Spirit's empowering presence in their life. The law with its works won't lift a finger to help. The Spirit alone is able to grant them success in their race. That's what he's saying. It's, the Spirit will grant you success in this race. And so the question for Galatians, or for the Galatians, is a crucial one for you and for me. How can we promote the presence of the Spirit? I've been reading this book. It's called Forgotten God by uh, Francis Chan. And in it, he's talking about... Uh, the Holy Spirit, and how in a sense, it's almost, it can be a bit forgotten, right? We know about God, we know about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit, it's this one thing we're like, mm, we're not too sure about. And so there's a section I want to read real quick in his book, and it's where Jesus is talking to his disciples, and it says this, Jesus himself said to his disciples, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is basically telling his disciples, yes, I was with you for three and a half years, but it is better that I leave you and the Holy Spirit comes to you. It is better that Jesus left and the Holy Spirit came. And so the question, like, do, we, do we live with that reality that it's actually better that the Holy Spirit is with us? Like, we see Jesus, he's challenging his disciples, right? We see him challenging them in his flesh. And now that his Holy Spirit is with us, it actually does that same thing. It challenges us. And sometimes that's scary, right? We, we, we come close to God or we, like, we try to, but we're just like, oh, I'm not sure what is the Holy Spirit going to ask for me to do? How is he going to challenge me? It was hard for the disciples to ignore Jesus, right? When he's right there talking to his face. But for us, we can, maybe we can hear the Spirit talk, but we can turn and walk away. Chris' message last week gave us a great 
launching point on how to focus on Christ this year. The way we will grow spiritually this year is by the Spirit's work. The main thing Paul does in Galatians 3, 1 to 5 is help the Galatians see why their actions are so foolish. The two reasons he gives is that they are contradicting the work of Christ on the cross, and they are contradicting the work of the Spirit in their lives. The Galatians, you know, they believe, yes, Jesus came, he died. They believe that he rose again. The Judaizers aren't challenging that. They aren't challenging that Jesus died on the cross. They're not denying his resurrection. They're just presenting a law-based growth in their Christian walk. They're presenting a growth that is on their own strength, on our own strength, and not on the strength or on the growth by the Spirit of the Lord within our lives. Sometimes I feel like I can be like that. I can be like the Judaizers or the Galatians and try, you know, to grow by my 12 steps. And when Chris mentioned last week, he gave us all those resources. He gave commentaries. He gave 21 days of prayer. He gave a worship app. He gave us the Bible, Bible app. He gave us all those things. But the, great, I, the thing that really caught me was like, he's like, I, I'm cognizant to say that I don't want to give you steps to try to do this because that's not what it's all about. Because it's about wanting to draw closer to Jesus not wanting to have to accomplish steps. Because these resources are there to draw us close to Christ, to draw us close to him. And the thing about doing steps, the thing about having like these 12 things laid out for you to do to have a deeper walk is that sometimes it becomes a little bit mindless, a little bit repetitive. If I want to draw close to my wife, I don't have to mark out 12 steps to do that. Like, to, be, to show her that I love her, these are not these 12 steps I have to do. This is how I will draw close to her. I know I love her, or she knows that I love her. I don't need to place a reminder in my phone to be like, you know, I should kiss my wife right now. I gladly do that whenever I can. She gladly, mostly receives it. <laughs> a natural response to my affection to her is that I want to do things, I want to naturally just draw closer to her. I just love her. I want to do things that help me understand her more. I want, like, I want to sit and talk with her. I don't need a step to tell me that, to, to, to do that. I just want to. I just love her. If we treat our relationship with Christ as simply, you know, we get, we get to know where we're going at the end of this life kind of card, or, you know, when hard times come, we know he's there, we actually totally miss a life with Christ, what it's all about. There is so much more to just, you know what, I know where I'm going when I die. There's so much more he has for us right now. There's so much more that he wants to teach us right now. There's so much more that he wants to show us right now. And that should excite us. If we really love him, if we really want to see things happen, we will just naturally just draw close to him and his spirit will work inside of us. These are all things that focus you on Jesus. And when we focus on Jesus, when those things that Chris gave us, they help us focus on Jesus, the natural reaction is that the Spirit is just activated in our life. The Spirit, it just, it permeates in our life. And the Spirit of God that is now within you responds when you focus on Jesus because that is the Spirit that he has imparted to us. All those foolish things I mentioned at the beginning, they pale in comparison, like I said, to living a life away from God, out of, away from the Spirit. 
the Galatians foolish. It was so foolish. And so, I want to begin. You're like, that was your intro? Like, <laughs> what time is it? Oh my goodness, I got to go. Um, this next part's not going to be that long. Don't worry. But I want to begin this talk about life in the Spirit and simply on where it begins. Simply on where it begins. How it happens. And so we're going to look at this just a little bit more in depth. Paul is quite shocked by the Galatians and it's quite obvious because he calls them fools. When you call somebody a fool, usually it's like, mm, yeah, you're not doing something very smart. And he didn't say it once, but he said it twice. And this isn't Paul trying to belittle the Galatians. He is trying to, like, to really to jar them in a sense. If Malachi and Zion, they aren't acting well, I'd be like, you guys, you know, stop acting a little, stop acting foolish. I don't call them idiots or stupid. But I give them a reminder, like, hey, you aren't acting, like, appropriately. The word foolish in the Greek is an acronym to wisdom. And so they are acting completely opposite to being wise. Paul is he's trying to shake them. He's trying to wake them up. He's like, come on, foolish Galatians. Come on, you guys. You know better. You know this. He even says, who has bewitched you? Bewitched has the idea that the Galatians are under some sort of spell, that they're under some sort of devilry, that they've been, something's been cast upon them. Paul didn't mean this literally, but their thinking was so clouded. It was so convoluted and so unbiblical that it seemed that some kind of spell had been cast over them. And he tells the Galatians, before your very eyes, Jesus was portrayed as crucified. He's like, you know, it was so clear to you, the gospel, that it was like Jesus was crucified in front of you. It's like you understood it so clearly. Like he was right, you were right there. Like he had a front row seat to it. Like you saw his wounds, like you saw it all. Like you saw him say it was finished. But now you've gone away from that? This is amazing to Paul. He's like, he's totally bewildered. And so sometimes for us, like, have we been there? Have we ever lost our focus on something? Focus on Christ, maybe focus on the goal, maybe focus on what this life is supposed to be. Like this, is ha- like, this is most of us halfway through, like, our New Year's resolutions, right? Or maybe you're like, it's me, like, right now. I've already lost focus on what I even said for my New Year's resolution. <laughs> no judging. But have we been there? We've lost our focus on something. When we try to do things on our own, we find ourselves in that spot. We find ourselves lost a little bit. We find ourselves kind of, like, wandering a little bit. We, we lose our focus on something and we kind of feel like, well, I try, how do I get this back? Malachi, he's working with an instructor right now and so on baseball. And so he, when he, you first teach him, you know, he gets the basics down. He understands where, you know, how to turn the foot when you hit, like the steps of batting. And so, but as he continues on, he plays some more games. You know, he kind of loses it a little bit. Maybe he gets a little bit sluggish. He drops his elbow down a little bit and he tries to like sword fight the ball. And so he's back with an instructor, just kind of like, hey, this is how you do it, remember? And it's like, and it just comes back. Helping him refocus on just the basics, getting back the swinging technique. And Paul, he asks this big question. Did you receive the spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Paul simply, he takes them back. He takes them back to how they began their life in the Spirit, how they began this life with Christ. 
He reminds them how it all began with something they saw indeed, but with something they encountered, really. Paul reminds them on how they saw the crucified Christ to reinforce the fact that the Spirit, it only comes through the cross of Christ. The Spirit, it comes only through the cross of Jesus. That is to say, God only supplies us with the Spirit if our sins have been forgiven because of the death of Jesus Christ. Unless our sins have been washed away by the blood of Christ, like the Holy Spirit, He cannot enter in our lives. Apart from having our sins forgiven, the Holy Spirit, it would destroy, it wouldn't sanctify us. So there needs to be that moment of accepting Jesus and accepting the work of the cross. And when we do that, His Spirit then comes to us, imparts into us. And this isn't some freaky kind of thing. This is as we accept him, it says that his spirit is there to help us, to guide us, to strengthen us. Paul's point then is that the spirit comes through the cross of Christ and only through the cross of Christ. That's the only way. The spirit never does an end around, around the cross. It never skips past the cross. It all begins with forgiveness of sins that God accomplished in his death of Jesus. This is the door through which the Spirit travels. The door is opened by the death of Christ. And this also, it shows us what to do when we're struggling, when we are feeling like, you know, things are foggy, when we're feeling like, you know, that sin is really heavy and I just don't know what to do. And so it calls us to continue to go back, back to the cross. We can't lose the union with the Spirit, but we can interrupt this communion. We can interrupt our communion with the Spirit. And so sin does that. It interrupts it. That's why it keeps rearing itself, but we need to draw closer. And as we draw more closer to Jesus, we have that power of sin is not that strong anymore. If the cross of Christ and the forgiveness of sins is the door God opens to enter into our sinful lives, then what's the door we open to allow God to enter in? What is that door? And Paul points the way with a rhetorical question intended to cut to the chase. He says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The Galatians, they know. They're like, ah, we didn't receive the Spirit by getting circumcised or by doing any of the other works of the law. Like when Peter preached, preached in Joppa to Cornelius and to those of his household, the Holy Spirit simply came upon them as Peter was speaking to them. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter, they were amazed. They're like, they were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on Gentiles. Even on Gentiles, people who didn't follow the law. It was even poured upon them. So how did the Spirit come upon these Gentiles or those in Galatia? As Paul says, not by works of the law, but by hearing with faith. Hearing with faith. The giving of the Spirit isn't a one-time thing. Paul adds, the Spirit continues to come into their lives in response to that same response of faith that they have. Every time they step out, every time they believe, every time they remember the cross, the Spirit, it just activates in their life. He said, does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? The, the big question is, if you initially received the Spirit by believing, why would you think growth in the Spirit would be achieved in any other way? When we feel we need to draw on you, 
We just remember the cross, and we remember what he's done, and we draw near to him. We draw closer to him. Why would God start our salvation by faith in his provision, then expect us to grow by us grabbing hold of our bootstraps, you know, and pulling ourselves up through obedience to the law? He says the way we grow in the Christian life is the same way we began in the Christian life, through faith in Christ's finished work, through faith in him, through faith in what he has done. Like the words, it is finished, is not just one-time words we believe to have forgiveness. They're words that we continue to believe it is finished to find that spiritual power in our lives. Not a one-time thing. As I was preparing for this, like the last two weeks, I was thinking, uh, I taught a class at the college. It's called Spirit-Filled Life. And so, hence, like, a lot of what we talked about in this class was how to live life, like, by the Spirit, what that even looks like, and how, you know, it's, um, what it, Christ says about it. And so, one of the analogies that I use, and it's going to tie into this next scripture that I'm presenting here, is that imagine yourself in a desert. Has anybody been to a desert? A desert, like, like big time, like, sand everywhere type of desert. Like, going there to the desert, it's quite amazing, Right? You go there, it's like you see sand for as long as the eyes can see. And then if you're in the desert, right, it's usually hot. And so we know with sand, like sand gets hot too. And so when you're in the desert, you're getting the heat from the sky. Then you're getting the heat from below. And so the desert truly is like, I would love to go to the desert to see it, to check it out, to walk it. But you know what? Do we want to live in the desert? Like you're like, you know what? I'm like people are in Arizona, like, yeah, like we live in the desert. But like, do we want to be in the desert? Like the Sahara Desert, where would that be a place where like I need to buy some property and I need to build, you know, a nice house there? Do we want to be there? Jeremiah, if you have your Bibles, I want to turn to Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 to 10. And then they're going to be up here if you don't have your Bibles. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a, in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according T.O. 2, their conduct according to what their deeds deserve. The primary difference between those two trees or those two bushes is where they're located. One's located in the desert, in the wastelands. The other is located by the stream, its roots deep into right by the stream where it can take from living water. So it is the location, really, of where is your trust? Where is your trust? And your trust determines your fruitfulness. Sometimes we can believe we're in a good location. We can believe we're in a great place, a great place of fruitfulness. But there is a problem. We see it in verse 9. Sometimes our hearts, it's deceitful. Now, we've all heard this verse in verse 9. This is the verse we hear 
people talk about when they talk about sin and like a sin in our lives and like how we need Christ because our heart's deceitful. But in the context of this verse, Jeremiah is speaking to the people of Israel at this time. And at this point, Israel is pretty well off. Like they are, they're doing well. And so ask Israel, hey, do you think you're fruitful? Do you think you're in a good location? That's what's being asked. And they're like, yeah, look at us, we are. Look at us, we're rich, we're wealthy. Like we have good neighbors, we are good standing everywhere. But the truth is that Jeremiah comes and is like, you are not. He's saying, you think you are, but you actually aren't. It's like you're trusting yourself, putting yourself, you're trusting yourself, putting your faith in yourself. You're trying to do it on your own. And when you do that, you actually put yourself in the desert. The surface looks good, but underneath the surface, it's, it's, it doesn't look that great. And you know, if we're in the desert, if a, if a bush is in the desert, it might survive for a little bit, but it's not going to make it. Proverbs 14.12, it says this, There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. Sometimes as humans, we have this like, pretty good capacity of like, self-deception, maybe like, self-justification. Like, we can justify a lot of things in our mind. And there is no way that we can determine on whether we are bearing fruit or not. But we trust in Jesus as we follow him. Our heart, you know, it sometimes actually works against us. It is deceitful. It's like an autoimmune disease. Do you ever know what autoimmune disease is? My brother-in-law, he has an autoimmune disease. And what it does is it attacks your body. And so when he gets sick, like, his, you know, like we all do, we have an immune system that comes out and it fights off the sickness. It does what it needs to do. But an autoimmune disease does this. So he, when he gets sick, it comes out, it's pumped up, fights off the bad guys, kicks them out. But it's so pumped up and so excited that it then begins to fight off other things, like organs. And so it actually then began to attack his kidneys. And then he had kidney failure. And so then through, they didn't realize this until actually he had his transplant, and he lost his transplant a couple years later. And they found out he had this autoimmune disease, very rare, called IgG4. And so, our hearts like this sometimes. We, sometimes we feel like we can deceive ourselves a little bit. And some, we do this. We try to justify. We, we think that we, we're doing well sometimes, but we're not 100% sure. But you know, it's sometimes obvious to other people when they see us. Like, it's like when a piece of lettuce is in someone's teeth. Or, you know, you've missed a section of hair, like I constantly do. Last night I asked him, did I miss a section of my hair? People are laughing because they've probably noticed. And so, or like your fly's down. And so it's obvious, like somebody else sees it. But the, like, so I don't see it. I can't see the back of my head. Sometimes we're blind to our blindness. Sometimes our biggest problem in life, it can be us. The lies that we tell ourselves, the lies that we believe, we turn around and we try to convince ourselves that, you know, it's truth. But what we need to realize is that we can't do this on our own. Like, do, like when we're on our own, we're trying to do this, this walk on our own, trying to finish this race on our own strength, we put ourselves in the desert. At the end, there's this invitation to bear fruit in this scripture, an invitation to streams of living water, an invitation to be planted in a place where your leaves will always be green. But the irony of this script, this passage and the sad state of it 
is that not many people responded to it. And they didn't like it. They even spoke the exact opposite message, these people. There was definitely one person that responded, and Jeremiah was that person. Where does this lead us to being fruitful, fruitful people? Like, how do we know? And it comes in verse 14 in his prayer to the Lord. He says, Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved, for you are the one I praise. Jer- Jeremiah just cries out. He's like, I'm messed up, I'm broken. I want to be fruitful. I want to. When we cry out to Jesus, when we cry out to him, he always says yes. These declarations to him, that he, Jeremiah said, he answers with a yes. And so this is the big question I want to ask. This is the one thing. The one thing I really want us to take home is this. Where do you want to plant your tree? Where do you want to plant your tree? By the desert or by the stream? Maybe another question is, where do you think your your tree is planted right now? Where do you think you are? Do you think you're in the desert right now? You're you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to, you're finding strength in yourself, trying to like, you know what, I'm just powering through. I'm getting through this. Or are you you like, you know what, Jesus? Man, I need you. I need more of you. Help me. Help me so much. I, I I need to come to you. Maybe you're looking back on your year and you can see those times that you were in the desert. You're like, I was totally in the desert there. As we look forward to this year, I want to encourage you with this another question. How will you get to where you want to be this year, at the end of this year? Is it by being in the desert? By being by the stream? There's only one way, and that is drawing close to the Spirit of Christ within you. And it's there. And the promise is it's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. And uh, just waiting to be a, part, a deeper part of your life and waiting to permeate through you. I'm going to invite Curtis up, and I'm going to close with these last four verses in Galatians. And Curtis, you can play softly as we finish this. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. We talked about Abraham a little bit when we're going through the Advent season. This reference here in Galatians goes back to Genesis 15 when God promises Abraham that out of his offspring, there'll be a great nation, a great one, and it'll provide forgiveness and salvation for the world. The problem was that, you know, Abraham, like we said, he was, he was old and childless when God made the promise. When God made this promise to Abraham, right, he was like 90, and Sarah, was, she was like late 80s. By that point, they mercifully, like I said, had most people, you know, they would give up on trying to have kids. I would give up. I'd be like, yeah, it's not going to happen. But even though God's promise defied everything Abraham felt to be true, he believed God. And when he did, God gave his old, dead, sterile body the ability to reproduce. A few years later, at the ages of 99 and 90, Abraham and his wife Sarah had a son who would father the nation, who would bring Jesus into the world, who would provide forgiveness of sins and eternal life for all through his death and resurrection. So the question, like what part of this did exact, exactly did Abraham accomplish? 
on his own strength? Like what part did he accomplish by his own strength? Because he couldn't even produce a child. There was not some technique or some diet or maybe a new positive way of you know, thinking that infused fertility to Abraham's sterile body. There was nothing. He couldn't, he couldn't do it. It was all God, all him. All Abraham did was believe in God, what he promised, and he kept believing, kept believing. If that's so, then why do we think we can achieve spiritual life by our own strength? Why do we think we can do it? Abraham couldn't make a child on his own, but believing in God, he then had the ability to make a child. If we start in the spirit through faith in the gospel, do we really think we'll finish in the flesh through obedience to the law, through our own strength? Do we really think being in that desert, we're gonna last long? Abraham chose to plant his tree by the river, not in the desert or on his own strength. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, the apostle Paul asked the Corinthian believers a question. He said this, or do you not realize about yourselves that Jesus is in you right now? We were at this chemo lunch and Phil made this statement and just hit me hard and struck me to the core. He made this statement. He said, Christ is closer to us than we can ever imagine. It just blew me away. And this wasn't like an end time statement. This was a statement that Christ is right with us. It reminded me he's right here living inside of me, his spirit inside of me. He's closer than I can ever imagine. He's closer to me than I can ever put my like, words to. And he sent it through his spirit. His spirit in all of us. And this is amazing. Upstairs, as I was practicing, um, on one of the doors, there was a quote from the grade 12 class. They were reading some book, uh, The Little Prince. And they each like, what, what was like something that stuck with you in this book, The Little Prince? And what someone wrote was, what is most important is invisible. I was like, that struck me. We can't see God, Christ, but we know. We know, because this is why we've accepted him. We know he's here. We know he's real. We know he's alive. We know his spirit is inside of us. We know we can't do it on our own strength. We know that as we draw close to him, the spirit will be activated in our lives. I'm just gonna pray and we're just gonna, we're gonna sing, close off. And I invite you to stand with me as I close in prayer. Jesus, Lord, I thank you that your spirit is alive and is in us. And Lord, it wants to do greater things. Lord, and there's greater things that are yet to come. Lord, there's great things that you want to do. And Lord, it is the great gift. And Lord, you said it to your disciples that your spirit, you needed to send your spirit, your counselor, that it was better than actually you physically in the flesh being here, being here on earth. And so we need to trust in that, trust in the spirit, even though it might seem kind of scary, Lord, like if I, you know, I draw close to him, what's it going to ask me to do? All he's going to ask you to do is just going to point to the cross. It's going to point to him. It's all for his name. And so this year, Lord, as Lord, like each day, Lord, I just, I encourage us all to ask the question, where am I planted today? 
Am I planted in the desert or am I planted by the stream? Well, let that ring in our minds as we go throughout our weeks and our days and our years.